If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. You've probably heard that you are the average of the five people that you hang out with. Today, I want to encourage you to stop and reflect for a moment. Who are you actually spending your time with? Are these supportive, encouraging people that are motivated action takers and that share a common dream to live a life that's full and fulfilled? Or are they more unhappy, unmotivated, and stuck and pulling your energy, energy, energy vampires, as we like to say? Or are they somewhere in, in the middle? Either way, whoever you surround yourself has a, has a ripple effect on the results in your life. So the good news is that surrounding yourself with high-achieving, motivated, happy people that, that are moving toward the best version of themselves will affect you and accelerate your success. How do I know this? I've been running mastermind groups for over eight years now, and I see it day in and day out. The most important element of your success is who you surround yourself with. So what are you doing about that? And that's the whole point of this show, listening to people that have a different perspective, people that are successful, people that maybe you want to get to know and reach out to, give you their contact information. However, when you're ready to truly start your path toward financial freedom and fulfillment in your life, then find out what mastermind fits for you. All you have to do is to go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, jump on a call with one of my directors of opportunity, and then find out if it's a fit for you. So welcome to another edition of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. Today, I have a very interesting guest. And the reason is that he's going to take us into another medium. He's a hypnotist. He's an author, a speaker, a sales trainer, a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And for over 30 years, he has taught thousands of people the power of language to sell, which is very, very important. We are all always selling on some level to influence, persuade, and to heal and turn stumbling blocks into stepping stones. Utterly passionate about the magic of how language structures consciousness, shapes decisions, and drives behavior. Please join me in welcoming none other than Paul Ross. Wow, that was a huge introduction. Thank you. I can also tap dance, ice skate, and um, do the samba. <laughs> <laughs> ice skate? Are you Canadian? No, I'm kidding. I, are you kidding me? I'm so uncoordinated, I would break my neck before I even got out in the ice. So um, I've, I've worked with Tony Robbins for 18 years now. I've, I've studied um, NLP, and, um, and you've taken it deep. So how did you get into it? Well, oddly enough, I got into it through my personal life. I was a guy who, I know this is going to be hard to believe for all you watching this, particularly you ladies, but I was a guy who was woefully unattractive. I was not uglier than sin. I mean, sin ran away when it looked at my face. And so I also had a tremendous amount of shame about my body and the way I looked at no social skills. And I searched for an answer and couldn't find them. 
And then one day I stumbled upon a book called Frogs and the Princes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was by Richard Bandler and John Grinder. And immediately as I read into like page 10, I knew this could provide the answers. It took me about two years of stumbling around. <clears throat> and I learned from that how to get over my kindness and my shame and how to communicate in ways that were attractive. And that's where I got started, how I got introduced to NLP. And I learned also with Richard Bandler, who is the co-creator of it. He took a shine to me. He saw that I really understood his baby and that I liked his box of toys. So a lot of people don't understand that words create their world and that they are really powerful in shaping our internal world. So tell us a little bit about how you use it on the on the outside world in sales and influence. And then let's sure. we'll get down into some of the meta programs or some of the things that sure. maybe can sure. be tactical. So what happened is I as I, I actually built a career as a dating coach. And what happened in doing that, I knew that I had to learn to use influential language to convince guys who'd never had a date in their life, 30, 40 years old, that they could actually change. And I began to do change work with people. And through that, I recognized that how they were creating a world that was really bad for them. It wasn't that they lacked resources, the way they were structuring their consciousness really screwed them up. And so through that, I began to see sales differently. I have a different model of selling than most people. And as you're listening to me, it's not that your current model isn't good, but if you're not leveraging the power of subconscious languaging, you're leaving a tremendous amount of money and also a tremendous amount of fun on the table. So I don't know how well that answers your question, but for me, language, what influenced me about, I think NLP is partially about structure and consciousness. How do you create those states of consciousness in yourself and the people you want to influence such that the activity that distills out of that is the decision that you want them to make? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So how do you use NLP in a sales situation? What are some of the things that you do in order to gain rapport, et cetera, and influence? Well, first and foremost, in my view, you're never selling your product or service. You're always selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. So you have to use your language to create different states. <clears throat> Here's what I mean. If I, uh, this is a metaphor I like to use. Let's say I have a sheet of cardboard and I have a sheet of gold foil and I want to conduct electricity down those two mediums. Which one of those is going to conduct the electricity better? The gold foil or the cardboard? Gold foil. Exactly. So think of your prospect state of mind as being that conductive medium. How do you get them in those gold foil states of focus, concentration, wanting to believe you, viewing you as their leader and therefore they they are your followers how do you do that so let me start out i have what i call implied relationship words those implied relationships are we explore together invite and share we explore invite together and share <clears throat> so let's say you wanted to create rapport early on you're doing your sales presentation either in front of a small group of people or one individual or a large group of people the typical way would be to introduce yourself, tell your story, tell them what they're going to learn, et cetera, et cetera. That's all good. But I would add something like this in there. Before we explore this marketing plan together, I just want to invite you to please share the questions that naturally arise when a great decision is going to be made. Now, listen to those words. That implies throughout that there's a relationship. Before we, 
we implies that we're doing this together. We're on the same side of the table. Explore. When you explore with someone, then again, it's a shared activity. It's not me presenting something to you. It's something we're exploring. Before we explore it together, that again is an implied relationship word. Also with the word explore, when you make an exploration, if I'm exploring something with you, that implies that I am the leader and therefore you are the follower. Exactly. If I hypnotically said, in a moment, I'm going to put you in trance, Rock. And within three minutes, you're going to view me as your absolute leader. You're going to believe every word I say. You give me E, 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 the middle finger, correct? But then there's another clever word. I invite you. An invitation is something that one person extends to another. That implies togetherness. I invite you to share the questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Did I say ask the questions? No. What's the difference between asking and sharing? It's more connected. It feels better. Far, far, far more connected. Do we share things with people who we don't have at least some degree of trust? Not usually. No. Share the questions that naturally arise when a great decision is being made. There I'm being vague. Did I say a great decision to buy from me today or a great decision to fund my project? No, I keep it vague. And when you keep things vague, this is another law of suggestion. Whatever you can get your prospect to imagine for themselves would be perceived by them as being their own thought. Therefore, they will not resist it. Does that make sense? Yes. Therefore, there, if you can get them to fill in the blank, and there are a couple of different ways to get them to fill in the blank. One is through hypnotic suggestion. Don't flinch on the word hypnosis, ladies and gentlemen. It's just subconscious communication. And the other is being vague. When I'm vague and I don't tell you exactly what to think, then you fill in the blank. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as you're watching this today and listening to me, I'm not sure at which point you might stop and think to yourself, this is really fascinating. I want to learn more. But as that's taking place, I just want to say I'm honored to be the one to be sharing this wonderful exploration of subtle selling with you today. That's an example of that kind of language. It's grammatically correct, but it's not specific. And here's a good rule for you listening and watching. <clears throat> Excuse me. A good rule is there's a time in a sale to be specific. That's when you're presenting the details of your whatever it is you're selling, the cost, the terms of delivery, etc. And there's a time to be vague. And knowing when to be vague and when to be specific is a superpower when it comes to selling. Can you give us an example? Sure. Again, you're, if I'm addressing a group of people, I could say something like, before we begin this exploration of the world of influence today, I'm not sure at which point you'll find that growing fascination of how you could use this to make lots of money. But as that's taking place, I just want to say, I feel so honored to be leading you in this exploration today. And oh, by the way, please ask the questions that will naturally arise when a great decision is being made. By the way, my cats have just entered the room. They are my supervisors, and they insist on being in these broadcasts or they'll scream and howl at the door. So, no so here they are. <laughs> So I love the way you you language that because it it makes it 
casually leading them toward wanting to do and make a decision, right? Yeah, correct. And I did one more thing that's really clever. I said, please ask the questions that naturally arise when a great decision is being made. So I linked the activity of raising their hand to the suggestion that they're gonna make a good decision. So every time they raise their hand, their unconscious mind fires off that suggestion that they're gonna make a good decision. I've installed post-hypnotic suggestion. So let's say that one more time. Uh, please ask the questions that naturally arise. When a great decision's being made. Okay. So every time they ask, they raise their hand, it reinforces the notion that they're making a great decision. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Instead of asking a question being about skepticism or cynicism, it's about them wanting clarity and wanting curiosity, and so they can make that great decision. So you're reframing the very meaning of asking that question. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And I noticed that you use uh, the transition by the way, and Tony Robbins uses that a lot. Does that have anything to do? Is that is that intentional? Yes, it's a phonetic ambiguity. Am I saying by, B-Y, or by, B-U-Y? Ah. <laughs> when I used to do live seminars, I would say, as you go by the table, I would say, by, by the way, as you go by the table, I invite you to notice whatever it is that catches your interest. Nice. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, so, and I love this stuff. You, you've got to love it to do well in it. Yeah. And so a lot of people have these habits linguistically using words like try and but and things like that. What does it take for them to get the awareness to transition into a better form of language that they can get get comfortable with? Well, I'll put it simply, and then I'll give you a more intricate explanation if that's okay. okay. On a simple level, I think they need to do some, they need, first and foremost, to give themselves permission to notice. You've got to give yourself permission in a non-blaming, non-shaming way. The worst thing you can do is blame, shame, and compare. Blame, shame, and compare will destroy your ability to open up the new neural pathways. Instead, you bring about acceptance, blessing, and enthusiasm. So when I have a thought that brings pain in my body, I'll acknowledge it. <clears throat> so it's acknowledgement and blessing. So I'll say, Oh, thank you, limiting, shaming thought. Thank you for showing up with the intent of being my teacher, my guide. I bless you now and release you with love. I love it. You, you can't force your negative thinking to go away, but you can acknowledge it, bless it, love it, and release it. So acknowledge bless, love, release. Beautiful. And so salespeople that are really good salespeople, what are some of the key things you feel that they do? Well, I think first and foremost, they do sales as a, I have a radically different way of viewing selling. 
my mother was my best teacher, my tied for the best teacher of my life. My other best teacher was my meditation is my meditation teacher since Shinzen Young. And my mother taught me if people are thinking one way, if a whole group of people are thinking one way, the real solution, the real breakthrough is in the very opposite of that or a completely different way of viewing it. So I view sales as, again, structuring consciousness, first thinking, what states of mind do I want my client to be in? And how can I expand their mind to include my ideas? Because I don't accept the notion that prospects are coming to me fully able to make good decisions. Instead, I have to expand their sense of what a good decision is for them. People may be limited. You can have the best product, the best service. You could have a heart of pure service. And if your prospect doesn't believe it's possible for them to have what you're selling, if they don't believe they deserve it, then you're stuck. So for me, selling is a parallel track. Yes, you want to suggest ideas. <clears throat> But on the other hand, you want to expand their mind to include new ideas about what's possible for them, what they're capable of, what they deserve. Common question you need to answer, a couple of questions. Does this work? Will it work for me? How soon can I expect to see results? And finally, do I deserve them? Am I equal to them? Yeah makes total sense and so what you're saying is unconsciously these are the questions that are in their brain mm -hmm. that need to be answered in the sales presentation and one way to get around it is to get them to imagine already having made the decision okay how do you do that well as you're listening to me today i'm not sure in all the ways and at all the points you might stop and imagine using this and enjoying all the results you'll be getting but as that's taking place i just want to encourage and invite you to please ask the questions that naturally arise when a great decision is being made beautiful now i know that there is a term for this using the word as lead them, pardon me it's a pace it's a pacing word you're pacing where they're right and it's implying already. So as you prepare to make a decision, instead of if you make a decision, correct? It's a presupposition of time. I don't right. want to get too, I'll get a little technical with everyone listening. So a presupposition assumes that whatever follows that word is going to happen. Um, there are presuppositions of time, as, before, after. So before... You make it before you find yourself getting more and more excited about just how you'll benefit from what we're sharing together today. So before you find yourself getting excited implies that they're going to get excited. Now, look at that those words, find yourself. Find yourself is what I call a transphrase. Uh, this is one of the more controversial things I teach, one of the more controversial tools and techniques. What does it mean to find yourself doing something, Rock? You visualize it in your mind. Well, that's true, but let's get a little bit even more deeper into that dive. Did you ever just find yourself reaching into the refrigerator and not even remembering what it is you're looking for? Yes. Did you ever, self, did you ever just find yourself in love? Yes. Do you ever just find yourself falling out of love and wondering what the heck just happened? As well. 
So find yourself implies an unconscious level of activity. Yes. Does that make sure? Does that make sense? Where there's no need for participation and there's no possibility of resistance. Hmm. So what does it mean to, so if I said, as you imagine yourself using this and really enjoying the results, that's great. But as I say, as you naturally find yourself imagining just how fun it will be to enjoy this and seeing all the benefits you'll derive from it. I'm not sure all the ways that that's going to happen. Now, when I say all the ways that's going to happen, what does that imply? When I say all the ways. That there's many ways. Exactly. But I didn't say it. Right. So what you imply, if you're leaving out the power of implying things in your sales process, you're not having enough fun, you're doing too much work, and you're not taking, uh, you're not making enough money. Sales, when you do it properly, is fun, particularly when you know how to use language. I could say the word manipulate, but when you know how to use language to shape the other person's thought process. Well, I think manipulation has to do with intent. If your intent is to help the person get a service that they need and that they have to overcome the fear of making decisions that people naturally have, and you serve them at that level, then it's not really manipulation, is it? I think it's influence and persuasion. Manipulation implies that you're conning them, that you're going to use uh, deception, that you're going to leave out important parts of the right information that you're going to use coercion and we're not talking about any of that yeah so so how does what are some books if somebody wanted to study a little bit of nlp that you would recommend i highly recommend my own book subtle words that sell i love it and at the end of this we're going to give them tell them how they could get my free rapid sales acceleration program it's completely free it includes Beautiful. the first four chapters of my book on mindset. That's awesome. I like this one. I do like this one. Um, let me think what other books are really good on, are you talking about on NLP and using words to sell? Yes. I believe Dr. Moyne, I don't know what Dr. Moyne's last uh, first name is. He wrote a book called Hypnotic Selling, I think back in the nineties. Okay. Donald Moyne. M-O-I-N-E, I believe. I met him once. Wonderful job. Okay. okay, good, good, good. And you've been doing this for 30 years, correct? <laughs> yeah. And I'm always curious, is it is it become just a way of language or do you really become more conscious when you're going into an influence situation to use the tools of NLP? It's funny you should ask this question. My answer is yes to both of those. I had a girlfriend once, well, I've had many girlfriends, but she, one time a girlfriend I had said to me, she said, Paul, could you not use these tools? I said, well, if they gagged me, blinded, put on a blindfold, tied my hands up, uh, I would still be able to use my ears to hear the structure of how people are thinking. Right. So the acid tools I could still use, but the active tools, no. But I would still think in these terms. Now, some people have hypnotic bad language, like they say things like, oh, my God, I'm not a morning person. I'm such an idiot. And they put themselves into hypnosis. True. 
Yes, very true. How do people break that pattern? Well, again, they they acknowledge, they bless, they love, and they release these thoughts. So they have to be in a state, they have to learn to build a state where they can, I like to say, I'm also a healer. I do healing work. And I like to say to my clients, if they come to me and they have a phobia of snakes, I can cure that. But the big change happens when your clients or when you are no longer looking through your patterns, but you're looking at them. And that requires that you cultivate what I call witness consciousness, the ability to see your patterns arising without judging yourself or judging them. And that requires a meditation practice, I believe, in my case. So maybe not. And you're, maybe you just are that kind of person where you have that uh, objectivity. Most people don't. Yeah, for sure. And so what are some other, I don't want to say tricks and tools or tactics that you could recommend when it comes to influence? Huh, there's lots of them. So there's so many of them. Well, I believe that suggestion is extremely powerful. Okay. How can we use suggestion? <clears throat> oh, I'll tell you a good one. The pattern interrupt. One of my favorite things is destroying objections. Now, I'm not sure who your audience are. are they salespeople in general? Are they in one area or? Well, there's definitely salespeople, but there are entrepreneurs and there are business owners. So they have to handle objections all the time. Let's say when you get one of the biggest objections, I need more time to think it over. Yeah. First of all, that's almost always a smokescreen. That's almost never the real objection. Correct. We have to get the real objection out on the table. And usually it's because they're confused, but they don't want to tell you that because right. they don't want to appear stupid. So let's role play. You say, I need more time to think it over. Paul, I need more time to think it over. I understand. Have you ever had the experience of taking a long time to make a decision and it still turned out to be the wrong thing to do? Yeah. It's not about time, but about the clarity you need to recognize you really can move forward today. So thinking about it like that, what concerns would we need to clear up for you to see? Yeah, this is something that you really want to do. Wow. Um, well, I need to talk to my wife about it, make sure she's not going to be mad at me. I agree that it's important that she get on board. So she also recognizes this is a great decision. Do you see what that is? That's implying. I agree that it's important that she get on board with us so she can also see this is a great decision we can all make. Yeah. So thinking about it like that, what would be the best way to get a hold of her now? Uh, I could try her on her cell phone, I guess, but I think she's she's probably busy. Maybe maybe I could talk to her and explain it to her and make a decision later. I I understand where you're coming from, but I have to say frankly, why would I assist you in missing an opportunity that could be both good for the both of you? So why don't we see if we can get her on the phone now? And if not, let's see if we can set an appointment. You understand? But the initial, look at that initial pattern interrupt. When they say it's called a counterexample. <clears throat> a counterexample is you take what they're saying and you give them an example where they applied that behavior, but it turned out to be a bad one. Mm. Mm. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. I like it. I like it a lot. That's great. 
Yeah, well, I think there's so many different examples, but if, if people master two or three of these things, they can probably improve their closing rate a huge amount. How much importance do you put on building rapport? I think rapport is important, but it's dangerous. And here, if you don't control your own state, here's how it's dangerous. When you're in rapport with someone, they're going to feel what you're feeling. So let's say you're feeling nervous, you're feeling uncertain. They're suddenly going to feel nervous and uncertain, and they're not going to go, know why. They're going to attribute it to the meaning that you're not trustworthy. Wow. So everyone teaches, huh? I said, wow, I've never heard it put that way. Yes. Well, I think contrary, and my mom taught me to think outside of the box. So before you use rapport, you better make sure you know how to control your state. If you can't control your state, then rapport's going to get you into trouble. The second thing is that rapport is, is just a subset of being responsive. If I can get the person to be responsive, then rapport is merely something, a smaller piece that fits inside that box. Ultimately, it's not about rapport. It's about responsiveness. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if I can get them in a state where they're responsive and view me as a leader, then rapport is assumed and implied. So when I say, before we begin this exploration of the world of subtle selling today, I'm not sure all the ways you might stop and find yourself thinking, I've got to talk to Paul more. But as it's taking place, I just want to encourage you to continue with that excitement that's naturally arising for you. That's implying, you hear all that? I'm not saying anything specific, but it's implying that they're following so I don't need, rapport is good only as far as it leads to them being responsive and being willing to be led by you. It's not good in and of itself, like a piece of gold. Even gold is only as good as people are willing to view it as valuable and to accept it. Look at rapport as currency, <clears throat> not value. Currency is only as valuable as people assign meaning to it and are willing to accept it. Beautiful. And on that note, we are running out of time, Paul. So where can people get hold of you and your products? I have my complimentary free rapid sales acceleration training. And so this is a really good goodie basket and gift basket. You get the first four of PDF, the first four chapter of my books. There's a 20 minute 25 minute audio training. That's the length of the average commute that'll teach you some of the core principles and tell you how I started using this when I was nine years old. Wow. And then we have a PDF report on how to destroy objections fast and easy and add an additional 25 to 30% on your bottom line closings. You can get all of this absolutely free by going to paulrossbook.com. paulrossbook.com. Paul Ross book.com. I love it. Paul Ross, thank you so much for spending some time with us on Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. You are helping people earn more money so they can rock their life. Thanks so much. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.